Expert. It's a brief, informative, and lively discussion with experts in type 1 diabetes and related interdisciplinary research. We're recording this event. We're going to post it on the Sugar Science uh, YouTube channel shortly after the presentation. And if you have any questions for our guests, please feel free to enter them in the chat or raise your hand at the end of the presentation. Um, it's my pleasure to um, introduce three um, of the authors from this uh, brand new paper, which is really interesting. The paper is called Immune Checkpoint Bioengineered Beta Cell uh, Vaccine Reverses Early Onset T1D. And it just recently came out May 8th, 2021 in the advanced materials. So congratulations about this paper to our attendees. And I'm just gonna talk about who these attendees are. First, we have uh, Kinran Ao, who's a P uh, PhD. He's a postdoc in uh, the lab of Andrew Wang. Sheffield, he originally he got his uh, doctoral degree at Sheffield University in England in chemistry, and he's the first author. We're also pleased to have with us Andrew Wang. He's an MD. Um, he did his MD training at Harvard and MIT, was working in, also in the Langer lab. And uh, finally, Roland Tisch, uh, this, uh, who, and all three of these uh, gentlemen are based at uh, University of North Carolina. Roland Tisch, uh, PhD, his lab is really in sort of in summary, the work is really focused on fundamental and translational uh, you know, aspects of immune recognition of cell proteins in the context of autoimmunity. And there's sort of two general areas in the lab. One is a murine model of T1D that's characterized by the T-cell mediated uh, destruction of insulin producing beta cells. And they're sort of looking at that in that, uh, in that space. And then the second, a uh, key area of focus of the group is development of vaccines to prevent or treat T1D um, in addition to establishing tolerance for islet um, transplants. And that's kind of where that paper comes from. So welcome, um, you know, Roland, uh, Kinman and Andrew, thank you guys for joining us. And um, I just wondered if you'd like to just sort of start off talking about the paper or start off talking about your lab, you, cho you choose. Yeah, sure. Thank you for the introduction. So I have some slides if you want to go through that. Uh, you sure, know. let's do yeah. it. Okay, so let me... Can you see the slides? Yes. Okay. Beautiful. Um, let me see if I can do this. It looks yeah, so, uh, so this is a, as you mentioned, this is a joint work between uh, our lab and with, and with Dr. Tish's lab. Um, as, as you, you heard, uh, you said, uh, I'm an oncologist, I'm a radiation oncologist by training, um, and this is a crossover, uh, work. Um, so quickly, uh, it's just, these are my disclosures and it really doesn't apply here. Um, so our lab, uh, has been focusing our research on, uh, the interface be, uh, of uh, nanomedicine um, and cancer immunotherapy for the past few years. And uh, what we have learned is that uh, we learned a lot from cancer um, that, you know, how they can upregulate uh, multiple checkpoint uh, molecules to evade and suppress immune system. And um, in our work, we have found that we can use nanoparticles to better suppress that. Um, and then with that, we thought, well, you know, the flip side of that coin is that, um, you know, autoimmune diseases is the lack of protection or suppression of the immune system. So, you know, can we do something uh, in, in, you know, use what we have, use our tools to apply what we learn from cancer and, and you know, uh, apply it in autoimmune diseases. Um, and, it, you know, in this particular case, the two the tools we have are, are both uh, nanomedicine or nanoparticles, but also 
uh, a unique strategy, which is using glycochemistry or sugar chemistry uh, to engineer um, you know, molecules onto cell surfaces. So, um, so in this case, our idea was to take beta cells and um, you know, give the cells uh, sialic acid or a, a type of sugar analog. And these, it, the, the sialic acid pathways that the sugar gets into the cell and then gets glycosylated onto the cell surface um, and, and without harming the cell. And so if we embed a, a chemistry or reactive chemistry group onto these sugars, um, in this case, it's called a click chemistry um, moiety. And, and the reason it's called click chemistry is because it's a very fast chemistry. So if we embed one of the click chemistry reactive groups into the sugar, then the cells will, then, uh, well, so the resulting cell would have a reactive group on the cell surface or more than one. Mm -hmm. And so the, that it provides an easy way to decorate or engineer them uh, with things like we want. And then, um, and so, so for, you know, we basically can engineer, if we want to add immune checkpoint molecule, then we basically uh, add the other half of the click chemistry reactive group onto the immune checkpoint molecules. And then the two meets, and then they will click, so to speak. Um, and then the immune checkpoint will be decorated onto the uh, beta cell. Um, and then in our work, we also, uh, since we're a nanomedicine lab, we also looked into whether we can use nanoparticles to, to uh, improve this reaction. So nanoparticles have a bigger surface area, have, can have more reactive groups. And so if instead of just taking the immune checkpoint and add a click chemistry, if we add a nanoparticle with multiple uh, reactive groups, uh, the reaction potentially is much faster and much more effective. And so we looked at both of these strategies. So first, you know, we, we did this in vitro. So we took uh, NIT1 cells, which are beta cells, um, and, uh, you know, uh, looked at this strategy in vitro and to see, uh, can we indeed add uh, immune checkpoint uh, molecules onto uh, these cells and then, you know, and, and increase their uh, level on the cell surface. And so in this case, we chose PDL1, CD86, and GAL9. Um, as you can see here, these are facts data. Um, so basically is indeed uh, using glycochemistry, um, we can uh, engineer these immune checkpoint molecules, uh, sorry, immune, uh, yeah, immune check, checkpoint molecules on, onto the cell surfaces. Um, and you know, the, the level increases. Um, and we, in, in fact, we can in, engineer more than one, so we can do a combination. Um, and then also interesting is that the, uh, the levels uh, uh, gradually decrease um, within about five days, it comes back to normal. Um, now you can say that's good or bad, uh, but certainly it's helpful in terms of safety uh, yep. because these are not uh, permanently uh, modified uh, cells. Mm -hmm. um, so the, uh, the first in vivo experiment uh, that we did was uh, using the NOD model. Uh, the, and, um, and the question was, uh, as alluded to, is do we, you know, is using a nanoparticle helpful? Um, you know, does that improve uh, the decoration, so to speak, or engineering or the higher level of immune checkpoint? And so, so Kim then, um, you know, took NIT cells modified with 
um, you know, no, no treatment or, or an IT cells given with just free PDL1 uh, versus, um, you know, the NIT cells modified with um, PDL1 with the other half of the click chemistry group, reactive group, and then versus the, uh, you know, nanoparticle modified PDL1. Um, so we basically waited for the mice to develop, um, you know, hyperglycemia, um, you know, or, or diabetic symptoms, and then they were given these cells into the pancreas, the intrapancreatic injection of these cells. And as you can tell is, um, so both the uh, functionalized or modified NIT cells uh, had a, a therapeutic effect uh, mm -hmm. in terms of controlling blood glucose. Um, and then the nanoparticle or the dendromer modified um, cells were much better. And so that, um, so, so from, for subsequent uh, re experiments, we chose to use nanoparticles in this case. Um, because it, it, it seems to be much better. Um, and by the way, we also have some in vitro data to, to support that as well. Um, so the next uh, set of a, you know, experiment that important to mention is the, um, you know, right here, which is that we looked at um, engineered NIT cells with each of the individual uh, immune checkpoint molecules, and then a combination of them. And also there is a control group where is a mixture of cells, but each cell only has one of the immune checkpoint. And so the group six and group seven, so the group six is a mixture of cells, but each cell is only modified with one type of uh, immune checkpoint, where group seven um, is, each cell is modified with all three of the um, immune checkpoints. And so, um, without uh, going into too much detail. So as you can see the, in the survival curves as well as the, um, each, uh, the blood glucose level of each individual mouse, um, and you know, basically is the tri-functionalized or engineered uh, NIT cells uh, were the most effective in suppressing um, uh, type, type one diabetes. Uh, and um, it's interesting that the mixture of all three, you know, uh, three different cells also uh, was pretty effective. And so, um, but, but the, the message here is one is that we can really uh, use the strategy to, uh, to uh, treat the type one diabetes. Uh, two is that the uh, multi uh, immune checkpoint approach is, is better than a single one. So, um, the, um, and then, you know, Kim and, uh, did pretty uh, extensive immune uh, sort of correlative studies looking at, you know, the why, um, you know, the, um, the mechanism of how this works. So, um, you know, I'm not showing that here, but so he actually showed that the injected cells are, are not functional. Uh, quickly, the injected cells are, are gone. Um, but what's interesting is that um, the after the injection, there seems to be a protective of, effect of the endogenous islets. Um, and then and then he also characterized the insulin uh, score uh, index and the uh, the treatment arms, especially the trifunctionalized uh, NIT cells had the best, um, you know had the least uh, lowest level of inflammation. Um, and had the best score. So, so all this, uh, you know, fits uh, together very well. 
Um, and then the last you know experiment, which is, I just want to quickly mention, is that you know the initial experiments were intrapancreatic injection, um, and then we had this idea: is one is that that's hard to translate to, is that um, you know it may be you know if our idea is to exhaust and actually induce some of uh, inflammation, exhaust the T cell response, you know perhaps subcutaneous uh, injection is much better. Um, but you know these cells, you can't subcutaneously inject them, and the, because they don't survive. So we utilized another technology within the lab, which is you know we have um, this technology for generating decellarized organs. So we generated decellarized pancreas, um, you know, implanted the NIT one cells onto the decellarized um, uh, pancreas matrix, and did subcutaneous injection. Um, and, and, um, and, and again, looked at, you know, how well we can suppress, uh, uh, type one diabetes and the data is even better, um, you know, than the, uh, intrapancreatic injection. So that was very uh, exciting. So we're very happy. Um, so just quickly summarize is that, you know, we showed that we could indeed in engineer, um, beta cells with immune checkpoint molecules using glycochemistry and nano and nanotechnology. Um, and then using the mod model, uh, non model, we show that these uh, indeed uh, these cells can suppress ongoing uh, autoimmunity and protect the endogenous beta cells, uh, which is helpful. And um, and we show that you know it, it, the best is actually to use a combination of immune checkpoint molecules, um, and uh, and then if we embed them in decellarized pancreas uh, pancreatic tissue and do it subcutaneously, that seems to be the the more effective method, um, and and you know uh, we we think there is a chance for this to clinical translate uh, whether it's um, you know to suppress the uh, the initial onset of type one diabetes um, uh, in that you know uh, acute or subacute period, or um, we can apply this strategy for transplantation, uh, you know uh, for for against uh, immune rejection type of. Uh, uh, you know, scenario. So that's a, just a quick um, run through of the, the work. Um, and then, you know, just want to emphasize is that, you know, this, you know, Kim and did uh, bulk and bulk of this work is extensive work. And then, you know, uh, as oncologists, um, you know, we're crossing over and uh, we really, uh, we worked close with Dr. Tish and who provided a, a lot of guidance and really helped us, uh, you know, get this work done. So, um, yeah, so it's a team effort. Um, so I'll stop there. Uh, okay, fantastic. Can you um, stop sharing? <clears throat> yeah, so and I'm trying have to our panels come on, uh, panelists come on and then we can just sort of chat about this. This is really interesting work, very um, detailed. And um, I'm assuming that, you know, uh, you know, this, this level of detail, oh, thanks. Um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming Kinman had a lot to do with this, so congratulations to him as well. Um, <clears throat> the it, it, it's really interesting, and I would I, I guess I have a couple questions. I love the fact that you're as we talked about sort of offline that this is an intersection of two different disciplines, oncology and autoimmunity, um, and that you're bringing chemistry to bear, and that um, you know you really dissected you know whether it was just you could you could just do the, the, the one approach or it was a multi-approach. And <clears throat> just thinking about it, you know, to, uh, to Plizumab is out there as a, 
you know, really now bringing into the clinic, prevention's got it um, going full steam straight ahead. But there's been some talk about, you know, maybe there's, uh, teplizumab looks great, but maybe it's gonna be sort of a, a multi-drug approach. And this is sort of what you're suggesting here. Um, do you think that your um, technique uh, or your approach might dovetail into, and anybody can answer this, into the sort of the teplizumab approach? Um, certainly. So, you know, this approach is, is you, you can view it as a, an antigen specific based strategy and, 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 um, you know, uh, as you're aware, um, and talking about a, a, a combinatorial strategy, there has, there have been preclinical studies, for example, looking at combinations of anti-CD3 therapy coupled with with antigen-specific therapy. And um, some early work, I think, by the von Herath's group suggested that that strategy actually uh, was effective in, in murine models, induction of FOXP3 Tregs, for example. Um, so certainly, you know, combining potentially combining these as well in a clinical setting certainly is, is a possibility. Uh, there's, um, um, Andy uh, didn't get a chance to, to uh, show some of this data, but um, Kinman has been able to show that uh, at least protection seems to correlate with induction of FOXP3 Tregs, for example, that are found within within um, the islets. So he's getting wow. an increased frequency of those. So, so again, you can, you, you can imagine uh, anti-CD3, which uh, would be um, purging, potentially purging any islet effectors that are infiltrating the pancreas at the time of, of diagnosis. Then you come in with, with this approach to, to induce uh, beta cell specific FOXB3 Tregs, as well as potentially tolerize whatever residual T effectors may, may be left behind after the anti CD3 treatment. So, so uh, you know, yeah, the, the potential is certainly there. Yeah. Um, and I wonder also if you are able or um, open to commenting on sort of what's your next steps. Oh, so from a technology perspective, I would jump on the technology side, and then Roland, you can uh, you know fill in the uh, the uh, biology side. So, so technology side, we have a lot to 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 work on or untouched, right? So, um, you know, we only looked at uh, one type of nanoparticle. These are pretty small, um, and it ends up that it's actually just one-on-one -on -one ratio between the immune checkpoint and the particle. We can certainly tune that up. Like we can make the particle bigger, and each particle will have multiple. Uh, immune checkpoints. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Um, two is that, you know, we really just picked three immune checkpoints. There are a lot more, um, you know, which combination is the best, we don't know. Um, so there's a lot to work on that. Um, three is that the, um, so this approach is really like ex vivo engineering of cells. Um, we can also do in vivo engineering. So we could, you know, administer, potentially we can administer the um, glyco, uh, you know, there's the sugar analog in vivo and then do engineering or decoration, so to speak, um, you know, in, in vivo. Um, yeah. So, so there, are, there is quite a bit um, to do on the, um, on the technology side and, and Roland, please fill in on the, on the. Uh... Yeah. Like, so I think, you know, um, 
it, it gets back to the the mechanism by which this uh, protective effect is being induced. Because what is actually very intriguing uh, is the fact that um, shortly after uh, administering the 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 functionalized uh, insulinoma cells, you are getting a decrease in the number of, of T effectors within the islets. Now, uh, again, FOXP3 Tregs may be contributing a little bit to that, but the fact that you're, you're getting diminution in T effectors suggests that somehow, some way, you're, you're also impacting those, uh, that, that pool of pathogenic T effectors. And whether that's through, uh, potential mechanisms of energy, um, exhaustion, for example, clonal deletion, we don't know. So uh, really we'd like to delve in very and, and drill deeply in terms of what is happening within that conventional T cell pool uh, of beta cell specific effectors, what's happening in terms of the FOXB3 uh, Treg side of things, what is it about uh, the, the functionalized insulinoma cells that are driving uh, potential expansion of FOXB3 Tregs. Um, and then the other thing is to, you know, help move, move these studies uh, along from a, a translational perspective. And we'd like to, for example, start uh, making use of humanized mouse models so that we can, we can um, carry out similar experiments and ask the question, do we see uh, the, the same type of uh, events ongoing uh, with a human T cell uh, uh, pool, for example? So, so really, there's a lot to be had here in terms of just defining mechanisms and potential uses. So, yeah, no, it sounds like you're going to need at least one or two more postdocs. <laughs> you, have, uh, <laughs> you have a lot of, uh, I mean, there's so much, there's so many interesting avenues to pursue. I mean, it's really interesting. Absolutely. Kinmon, would you like to weigh in on uh, anything? <clears throat> That's fine. Okay, he's just listening. That's totally fine too. Um, I wondered, um, I, I, we spoke with Barack Bloom at University of Wisconsin. He does have some really interesting mouse, uh, mice strains. I mean, maybe he's someone to talk to. If you were thinking, I mean, just sort of like throwing it out there, um, what what would be, you know, if you wanted to sort of try this out in a non-mouse model, how would you proceed? A non-mouse model? Hmm. Um... You know, I, I suppose there, you know, you could always move into the use of non-human primates, for example, because there are certainly studies have been ongoing um, looking at different therapies being used in the context of type 1 diabetes, doing some preclinical studies. Um, that would be, you know, one potential approach in terms of, of um of some kind of xeno, xeno transplantation, for example, um, I, you know, I could see, uh, but whether that's going to be truly translationally relevant for, um, for the type of things that ultimate we'd, ultimately we'd like to do, I'm not so certain about that. Yeah, we've talked to a, a couple different um, scientists who are actually looking into 
you know, studies in um, diabetic dogs. We've talked to people that are, you know, obviously doing studies um, in mice and then in, as you said, uh, non-human primates. And then you've got also sort of just in vitro in the dish. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole plethora, but there's been, you know, there's been a lot of controversy, I think recently, like, oh, you know, mouse models, are they, are they relevant? Are they not? And I, I mean, I do think that they have brought a lot to bear in terms of driving the science. Yeah. And I, I think um, that's the yeah. value also of, of making use of humanized mouse models, for example, because at least, you know, at least there um, you are looking at um, human T cell responses in vivo, um, you know, albeit it, it, it is in the, the context of a, of a mouse. Um, but nevertheless, um, you know, those in vivo responses are still of value versus simply just doing um, uh, classical in vitro based studies. Uh, so, uh, um, and, and there's a, a significant amount of effort, as you're probably aware of in the field in terms of trying to generate bona fide type one diabetes humanized mouse models and, and um, you know, the, the field is moving closer to that. Uh, uh, Megan Seitz group, for example, they've been able to, to generate uh, 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 humanized type one diabetes mouse models, although it, it's a, a Herculean effort to generate those animals. Um, um, but her group has been able to establish those and then Dale, Dale Greiner, Dale Griner's group with, in collaboration with Doug Melton, um, Lenny Schultz, um, um, those, those groups uh, are, are, are again, trying to generate those humanized, humanized bona fide, more readily uh, available humanized mouse models. And, and certainly once they come online, um, that's going to be a huge, huge benefit for the field and would be a huge benefit for the things that we're that that we would be doing. Um, yeah, when I when I talk about humanized mouse models, they're they're not in the context of diabetes, unfortunately, at this point of time. But they 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 will allow us to at least look at some of the the the, the tolerance inducing events. So there's so they'll be useful. Yeah, maybe they can create a um, repository like NPod, uh, you know, did. Right, so then you have access to all these different types of flavors of my, mice models, humanized mice right. models. Right, right. Um, we'll see. But um, I also, I also really liked the way that your technology has uh, potential purchase on both, you know, stopping the immune response, maybe um, you know, down the road, in in a patient context, but also like in the islet implant context. Right, it really kind of there, there's there's space for both of those. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, as you mentioned, is that we can we can potentially like uh, you know our work can apply to that. Um, but you know, we we didn't really do the experiment, so it's hard to you know speculate. But certainly, um, I think you know our work shows that we can uh, dampen the initial reaction, right? So so help the endogenous islet, but certainly um, similar strategy can be used to protect the incoming islets, um, you know, help them uh, both, uh, you know, establish, but also, um, you know, suppress any rejection. 
Um, but you, you know, and and Roland and I have talked about you know doing some of that uh, experiment in the coming in the coming months. Yeah, really, it's a really exciting time. Um, I didn't know if anyone else in the audience, Henrik, or anyone would like to ask any questions. I think for now, people are okay. Um, I guess I'd like to say thank you guys both um, for all of you. Um, very exciting stuff I see in the chat. Yeah, it is really exciting. Um, so I just would like to say thank you so much uh, for sharing your time with us and um, highlighting Absolutely. your work. Um, if, the, if anyone has any questions, you know, uh, please, I guess, right, feel free to uh, reach out to you. Um, and um, I think that uh, this has a real, this is a, a very, a place where a collaboration could really be, um, I think, uh, pretty powerful. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So. All righty. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, again for joining us and uh, we look forward to your next steps, what you're doing next. Thank you, Monica. I certainly appreciate the interview, uh, the invitation and interview. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Very nice meeting you. It's nice to meet you. Yeah.